0: You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode 141 of Flipping Tables. I'm
1: Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons and we got a little follow-up yeah see I should have totally brought this one in because I think I own like all of the follow <laughs> um so yeah I, I actually went through my notes like a responsible podcast host and a few of my uh, favorites from when I was out of, of crazy things you guys said I was off doing um I think my number one favorite was that I was in Azkaban <laughs> just because, like, I was in London when I heard that, and I was like, ha ha, I'm as close to Azkaban as I've ever been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if if you can be closer to a place that doesn't exist.
1: Hey, hey, now, hey, you just you just quit crapping all over my dreams there. I guess
0: you're closer to Narnia, too
1: yes i see this is a weird part of wanting a fictional universe to exist because if you want harry potter to be real you also want like dementors to be real and (laughs) azkaban and like all of the badness wizard hitler um i liked uh waiting in line for the iphone 7 especially because at that time i was like anxiously waiting for the the pixel to be released so i was like okay um Justin, specifically, you monster, said that I was off somewhere uh, reconsidering Ender's Game as a film (laughs) and and contemplating the quality of it, so he can go to hell.
0: Man, I haven't (laughs) thought of that movie since we... It was like episode
1: one. Yeah, because there's nothing good to say about it. It was a dumpster (laughs) fire. Oh, like most things, it wasn't that (laughs) bad. (laughs) No, I just... I normally do a really good job of separating books from their their movie adaptations but I just can't forgive that movie for some reason. <laughs> and then uh I think the absolute one that made me like spit out my pint like like actually kind of choke on what I was eating was that I was following Nickelback on tour. <laughs> just because I mean I I don't Particularly hate Nickelback, but I have been awash in the cultural hate for them. <laughs> like how everyone just, it's like cool to hate them. So that, that one caught me off guard a little and bit.
0: And we actually checked and they are touring Europe.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad your absurd uh, ramblings were backed by possibility. Oh, he's well, in London. I'm- he might really be at Command. Oh, wait, make sure Nickelback is actually touring before we say anything about Nickelback.
0: <laughs> Uh, The best comedy has some truth to it that people react to.
1: That's fair. Um, Another thing is uh, during our summation, not summation, of the Google event, we completely didn't talk about the the View headset, the Google VR Daydream View. Daydream. Yeah, I I think it got like a a half a sentence. Um, But the reason I think it's actually worth mentioning is because one of the things Google is doing to incentivize uh, Pixel pre-orders – is if you pre-order a Pixel, and I think this is US only, um, because, you know, Google, uh, you get a Daydream View headset for freezies. (laughs) So I'm going to get one. And I'm, (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying not to be too excited, but I'm honestly a little optimistic. Like, they put a lot of thought and effort into... The design of the headset itself, it has like a little controller so you can play like some simple kind of rudimentary games. It's not going to be the Vive. It's not the Oculus Rift. (laughs) But I I like Google Cardboard, but the head tracking is just not quite there. Like it gets a little disorienting. So if this is a step above that where I can like walk around Paris or or play like a simple game on the couch or even if it's just comfortable enough to like watch a movie and like a fake theater experience it's it's only 80 bucks. I mean, I'm getting it for free, which is awesome, but yeah. you know for for someone who was willing to pay for it, $80 for like a fake movie theater experience, like that's not that bad.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're like three versions into Samsung's phone VR. I I think by (laughs) November or December, you're not even going to remember which drawer you put this thing in, Um, which isn't to say that Google's going to be worse at it than anyone else. But uh, I mean, one of the big things that separates phone VR right now is actual true position tracking, which we were chatting about uh, during the week, um, which is like, you know, with the Vive, even though it's complicated you set up these sensors in your room so they can see where you are in relation to where you were one step ago or whatever um but i think that's one i don't know it's interesting I, I we got to add the the slide i also sent you during the week but um what are the ways vr needs to up its game and i, I think you're right like frame rate and graphics and resolution are are all gonna have to go up um but you know, the other forms of immersion also.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, the sound element. Um, I need some kind of smell emitter. Uh, <laughs> I need an omnidirectional uh, treadmill. Smelly vision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, and that's why I'm trying to be realistic about what I want out of this. I don't expect this to be like an amazing gaming experience or maybe even a gaming experience at all. But, I mean, as I've said before, I have small children. They go to sleep at weird hours because I'm a night owl and they're small children. So <laughs> I can absolutely imagine like sitting down on my couch, putting on like my mixing headphones cause they're super comfortable and I could wear them for a long time. And then just completely like pretending to be in a movie theater basically and just <laughs> yeah. like sitting there and being like, Oh, I'm, I'm not on my couch. I'm off in some, you know, theater with a 20 foot high IMAX screen or like that. I don't know if I'm going to do that all the time. Like, it's it's a little difficult at this point to even imagine doing that regularly, but it doesn't seem like such a departure that I would be like, oh, man, I don't want to get out the headset and set it all up. Like, one of the things they made a big deal about with the headset is that it recognizes that your phone's in there. It recognizes how to line it up. Like, it it skews the picture on the screen a little bit automatically because there's a sensor inside it's designed to be comfortable so that you can wear it for an extended period. Like it basically looks like a sleeping mask. Like it's all felt and material.
0: Yeah. When I went to the site, it almost looks like underwear. Like, yeah. Get your your smart bra as you get your daydream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I want this thing to become kind of normalized. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to be the asshole on like public transit wearing a VR headset but, but w-
0: would you have bought one if it didn't come with your Pixel purchase?
1: I would have tried to seek one out and try it. Because, like, the, the Google Cardboard, which I did get to try before I bought one, but, I mean, it was, like, $5. Like, the if I never, ever use it again, I I got $5 worth of entertainment out of it, so it's not that big of a deal. This one is $79, but, I've you know, you figure if you play two or three games on it, you know, and you, you burn an hour or two and then you watch a couple of movies. Like if, if you get five to 10 hours of entertainment out of it, like that's not unreasonable for $80. I mean, I don't want to just be throwing chunks of $80 around, but I mean, if you compare it to like going to a few movies or going to like a zoo or a park or something where you have to pay to get in, like the, the, the cost to time investment ratio is not that far off. And then, you know, every amount you use it over that is, is you know, just increasing your return. But I, is there any
0: tech here besides the remote?
1: Um, it's made out of very soft materials. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's... I do
0: like they have a page that's like which phones are ready for daydream, and it's like the pixel,
1: <laughs> yes, get a pixel that one, buy a pixel, <laughs> buy a pixel right now. Um, there's the main thing that they talked about is the sensor in the, the like enclosure. Um, because not every Android phone is a predictable size, right? So, like, the pixel I'm getting is five inches, the Pixel XL is 5.5 inches, so one of the things they're touting is you put your phone in and you close the thing and then they will handle lining up the picture. So, I mean, it can't be like completely a Kimbo and half hanging out of the the side of the viewer. (laughs) But the fact that you don't have to like sit there and like inch it back and forth and like try and get it millimeter. Perfect. I think that if it works right, I think that's valuable because then it's the barrier for me being on my couch with the television on to going to watching, that same movie with a giant, you know, smart bra strapped to my face. Like the the, the lower that barrier is, the the better for Google.
0: Yeah, no one's gonna be thinking about this in a few months. No, I'm,
1: I'm trying to make have my expectations be reasonable, but, but. I will ask you: uh, Did you look at the colors? Because I, I yeah, I, I kind of want fun. the crimson one. I figure if I'm gonna have big stupid things strapped to my face, it might as well be an awesome color. Did you get to pick your color on your free one? Uh, so the way they're doing it is uh, since the thing isn't actually available yet and nobody's Pixel phones have shipped, they sent me a letter saying, hey, because you pre-ordered the Pixel, when the Daydream view is ready, we will tell you and then you can pick your color and we'll ship it to you. Okay. So the, the order is not even there. I guess there's just like a flag in a database somewhere that says like, hey, this guy's going to get one. Someday soon <laughs> uh so the other another piece of Google follow up which i am i I am genuinely in disbelief over this verizon news like do you do you believe this? This is not believable?
0: Verizon
1: <laughs> came out with a statement saying, "Hey, y'all, if you buy the pixel from us, you will still get your updates directly from Google. We're not gonna stand in the way of any updates. everything's gonna be fine, and then." Because Verizon is a monster and everyone hates them, the tech press immediately came back with, like, they just need security updates. This is total crap. Like, it's going to be loaded with bloatware. And then Verizon was like, no, no. What we said was, you will get your updates directly from Google, and there's only going to be three apps installed. Uh, Verizon Messenger, which is their stupid, who cares? Um, The Verizon account manager, which is reasonable if you're a Verizon customer, that you might have that app installed. And then some other thing that is escaping me, but was also fairly innocuous. And then Google made their own statement where they said, yeah, no, those OS updates and security updates are coming directly from us, even on Verizon. And Verizon even went so far as to say the phone that they're selling is the unlocked version. Like, this is... (laughs) unprecedented it's really
0: sad that this is unprecedented but yeah that's good to hear that they're they're coming forward and clarifying this um why did they make it sound so bad at for like how did they not expect this to be important (laughs) to, to android users i think they
1: just didn't sell it correctly at first they were just like hey you're gonna get updates directly from google and then everyone assumed the worst because it's verizon it was like, no, we've danced with you before, Verizon. We know how much you step on toes. Yeah, I mean, this has been
0: promised before in the for some of the Nexus phones, and it was just like, yeah, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the the fact that they're saying not just security updates but OS updates, and, I mean, it's not a written – it's not like they, they're contractually obligated to follow through on a blog post comment, but, I mean, this, this, the fact that they made the statement at all is like, this is a really big deal.
0: Well this reminds me of the in the privacy debates about like the the idea of like security through policy or security through implementation? And it's like who cares what the policy is? Is this set up technologically so that Google does the updates,
1: then we're <laughs> fine because that's what matters. Yeah, it's a good point. Like if they if there's any part of the process that's different where they still have to go to Verizon and say like, hey, we're going to flip the switch. Everybody else got the updates. Can we now flip the Verizon switch so that Verizon phones get updates? Like, that's going to be a problem. But it it sounds like that's not <laughs> the case. Like, from Google's point of view, Verizon Pixels and non Verizon Pixels are the same phone.
0: Yeah. Uh, since I'm being the Mr. Skeptical and in this <laughs> stuff, um, the other uh, angle that I've read sometimes has bitten some of Android phones is. Every single partner involved is perfectly excited to do updates, but something like the chipset needs firmware level stuff and Qualcomm's like, ha ha ha, we moved on. <laughs> and uh you know <laughs> that's one vector that could bite Google too is like they're they're still using like generic Qualcomm chips and it's like make your own chips so that not even that can hold you back from updating things.
1: Don't <laughs> let anything hold you down, Google. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> I I'm less uh I'm less put out by that because I don't ex- like eventually you will reach diminishing returns on that like I want Google to mine their own aluminum so that they can never <laughs> have an aluminum shortage and they should go to the desert and get their own sand and make their own glass so that there can yeah. be you know glass shortages and I, I know that's ridiculous, but eventually, that's the point you would get to. Like, can you really ever control every single tiny, tiny part of the chain? Tra- the chain where there's nowhere where you're relying on outside uh, sources. Don't, don't
0: slippery slope this.
1: <laughs> I'm not slippery sloping it. I'm just saying the 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 hardware part of it. Like, we need drivers for this chip. Um, has historically been a problem almost never and humans being involved in saying like no we don't want updates on our network cuz we're assholes for no particular reason like that has always yeah. been a problem so if we can just crest that hill i'll be pretty damn happy no this
0: is this is all improvement if they follow through on it <laughs> if um, they follow through but i well, mean this is i do think is... the
1: having verizon as their first like launch partner with this and then them Agree again, assuming they actually deliver, like this sets the precedent for the other carriers. Like T Mobile, the super open, hip, modern, cool guy carrier, like they can't get the Pixel next year and be like, oh, but we're gonna have approval over updates. Like, yeah. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> and
0: I hope they come to the other carriers sooner rather than later. Um, I think a lot of reg- the kind of regular customer Google wants to face isn't gonna want to necessarily do the separate financing they kind of want to get it from their carrier and that's just
1: uh, a point of sale that's important to be in anyway yeah i mean that's just the nature of the smartphone market in the united states is you expect to yeah. go to a carrier and buy a phone not to the manufacturer of a phone and buy a phone like i mean apple was even with blackberries like you didn't go to a blackberry store did you or sorry a rim store i guess it would have <laughs> been at the time but i mean did they, 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 You didn't do that, right? Didn't you have to go directly to a carrier just like for any other Nokia candy bar phone? (laughs) You're
0: giving me flashbacks to there was actually a URL for rim jobs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That will never stop being funny. God, what Uh, were they thinking?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think Apple was part of trying to get that leverage against carriers by having their own retail presence already established, but... Which I just read they're, they're going to be in Macy's, so there's like tiny, it's like Starbucks, like Apple stores are going to be like
1: little tiny things inside of other department stores even more. So I don't um, actually want to have this conversation, but that doesn't feel very Steve Jobs. <laughs> That's not very Raven. <laughs> it, uh, is, it is so not Raven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. Well, speaking of like all these good timings for Google um, is we talked about Samsung last episode, but there's there's some more follow up <laughs> there
1: too. Yeah, they uh, they're apparently actually full on, no kidding, discontinuing the Note 7 from production. There's a full recall like from Samsung as well as the carriers. There's like a full legal, oh my God, please give us back these phones. Um, and th- there's still a lot of debate about how much it's going to cost them because obviously they're not going to make any money selling the phones. Then there's the cost of the recall itself, and then there's damage to the brand. So I've seen numbers as low as $2.3 billion, all the way up to about $17 billion mm-hmm. that th- this could potentially cost slash damage them as a company. And uh, one of our, our listeners and supporters, Justin, really believes that I am underestimating the damage that this whole thing is going to do to Samsung and I just I don't know I'm I'm unconvinced Samsung is a gigantic company and consumers are super dumb <laughs> I I mean do you think this is going to like destroy the Samsung mobile brand let alone the the larger company
0: I don't know about the larger company but I could see it hurting even non-note phone sales because people are just going to go those samsungs they burn up and they may not remember anything else um they probably won't remember anything else <laughs> and if they're if they have what they you know to the kind of consumer that's like ah just get me one of the big ones like i <laughs> a if, large
1: phone please
0: if google gets their together and there's a pixel within reach and yeah the pixel doesn't have the stylus or maybe some of the other things people like about the note but you know it may just as easy be like yeah I'll just go for that one and that kind of customer will maybe gone on the simple vague
1: story of didn't those like blow up or something <laughs> so my the, the thing I'm conflicted about with this is uh, this has actually happened to other smart device makers and this has actually happened to Apple, like they had iPod not on this level, though. No, man. no, not not <laughs> not even a little. But my point is, as the internet has become more ubiquitous, and as the the twenty four hour news cycle of like public outrage has become generally standardized across the population, because I mean, there was a time not that long ago where that kind of outrage was reserved for like uber geeks. And now, like, everyone is connected whether they like it or not, so every random person knows that this happened. But I think the the flip side of that is there's this massive, gigantic public outcry, everybody loses their minds, and then we move on to the next thing that we're super upset about and and we rage over. Like, every time something serious happens, you can see... Part of the conversation now is people begging other people not to immediately forget about it and move on (laughs) to the next crisis. So it's not that I think this isn't a big deal. It's not that I think it isn't a bigger deal than other times similar things have happened. Um, I just think people are going to get distracted by the next dumb thing, and somebody's going to walk into a store on Black Friday and they're going to see the the shmam shmung shmalakshi shmote, shmevin, <laughs> or whatever they rebrand this as. I think the they, note
0: is gone as a name, it, it probably <laughs>
1: is. But they're, they're gonna see whatever you know phone and they're gonna say, like, well, that phone from LG is $500, but this one from Samsung is on like mega super sale. Weren't these the ones that exploded? It is $150 off, and then. And that's just for the people who even remember. Then there's going to be tons of other people who either Pepperidge
0: Farms re- remember.
1: <laughs> Pepperidge <laughs> Farms does remember, and they buy <laughs> LG. But I, I don't know. I just like I, I kind of like Samsung. I have no like deep love for them, but I just don't see this being like the thing that that kills them. I don't know well, why. It, it just doesn't strike me as a death blow.
0: Oh, I don't know anyone's called it a death blow. I just think it's going to hurt. Um, I think they haven't done themselves any favors because, I mean, we can rattle off a bunch of, you know, gates that have hit different <laughs> iPhone releases. Bend gate, antenna gate come to mind. Yeah. Um, scuff gate with the iPhone 5. Uh, scuff gate? Just that the, the, especially the darkest finish would scuff immediately. <laughs> Intro okay. wear and tear, um, the <laughs> jet black iPhone. Significant than also. the others, <laughs> and I think what was maybe not so much scuffgate, but antenna gate, and then bend gate. Um, you saw the way Apple handled that, which was some PR magic, um letting yeah. letting, but also they either they they solve the problem when there is one very quickly, and Samsung appeared to drag their feet in some ways and in other ways they appeared to rush recklessly with their solution and it's like did you really figure out the problem or did you just say yeah we switched battery manufacturers and we assumed that this wasn't possibly some other engineering problem or like it's like you you thought you fixed it in two weeks and could pretend this never happened you didn't actually fix it, and now it's so much worse and you 've kept the story alive for a month instead of <laughs> you know what you thought was going to be over and so it kind of it's it's more than the single news cycle it's a month of airplanes telling people you cannot use this phone to the outright the uh, f a a has completely banned the device uh from ever you can't even take it with it powered down now
1: <laughs> yeah we, that one is that's the one I think is least likely for consumers to associate directly with Samsung because whenever you're on a plane and (laughs) yes. And, but here's why when you're on a plane and something inconveniences you, I feel like you're going to blame flying, right? Like if you get, a bad drink, or if there's turbulence, like you don't blame physics when turbulence is there. You're like, oh god, I hate flying, and it's like, yeah, but it's not the plane's fault that air exists, and you're not moving through a vacuum. Like you, you can't. This, this isn't the pilot's fault. It's not a shortcoming of the plane design. I don't know. For some reason, I just really think people are going to be like, oh my God, why do they make me turn my phone off? It's like, they're not going to think, why did they not let me pack my Samsung Galaxy Note 7? (laughs) Well, I mean, they are calling out that phone by name. It's not just like some phones cannot be... Oh no, they they totally are. They they and they've been I've I've been on several flights recently and they've been quite proper. They've actually said the full like Samsung Galaxy Note 7. <laughs> so I you gotta give it to the airlines. They're not trying to make this just about all of Samsung. They're yeah. they're very specific. I
0: think one of the weird things is they're officially now banning the phone even in PowerDot. Like you cannot bring this device onto flights. Um, and it's not just one airline, but one of the weird things is, uh, it's not clear how that'll be enforced. Like the TSA is not checking in security lines. Um, so it's kind of up to the airlines, which you may not want to own the job of telling customers they can no longer fly on this flight
1: unless they throw that thing in the garbage. Well, and the, uh, you're not supposed to put lithium ion batteries in your carry on luggage. I guarantee you every single flight you have ever been on has had lithium ion batteries in people's or not the carry on the the checked luggage because the where the luggage is stored isn't pressurized and yeah. there's a concern that being in in low pressure So you so never la- supposed
0: to check your phone.
1: No. You're not supposed to check your phone or tablet or laptop, and I absolutely unequivocally promise you that every single flight you have ever been on has had lithium-ion batteries. Oh, uh,
0: I've checked my laptop before. This <laughs> is what I mean. Yeah,
1: so the there's already a legitimate safety concern from these kinds of devices being on a plane that they already make no effort to actually enforce and are taking on good faith. So, you know, is there going to be some random moron who refuses to ter- return his Note 7 and he carries it on a plane? Yes. And hopefully <laughs> it doesn't explode because they are actually rupturing. And and this is part of what I think is weird about this. I'm, I may or may not find this article and throw it in the show notes. Which you can find at Sunrise Robot.net slash living table slash one hundred and forty one. Um but apparently there is some some uh, pontification that the reason this phone in particular is having this problem is actually not because of the charging and it's not because of the uh the 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 battery manufacturer. It's because the corners of the battery are so tightly rounded that it's pushing the, the lithium ion cells together in a way that they would not normally be in like a, a squared off battery.
0: So this is part of Samsung's problem is they didn't figure it out and just tell us. They're, it's it's yes. just like wild what like you've left the press with figure it out yourself. Make any wild guess you want and write stories about it. And I think that's part of their PR disaster is they're not talking enough with substance about what happened and but yeah it is interesting that we get to speculate about was it the battery design and the the corners and these different uh, well and i wonder mixing.
1: is this that samsung didn't figure it out and is not trying to figure it out did they figure it out and they don't want to tell us because that it's like a problem they can't fix like yep we made the corners too sharp like We sorry, our our style sheet made those corners too rounded and now all those batteries are time bombs. Maybe, but it just it doesn't help to
0: it's like people will believe the worst because you didn't give them anything to think about.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because now Hitchcock horror theory. (laughs) Yeah, because now any any nerd who has heard this battery story is gonna look at devices with particularly round edges and be like, is that phone about to explode? Well, and that's
0: part of believing them when they finally do ship the note eight next year or whatever they call it is that trust of, do they know what they're doing? (laughs) Uh, are they or are they just rushing to get the next thing on the market? Um, and I mean, they make some great phones. Like the every, everyone pretty much says the S7 is an amazing phone. Aside from this blowing up <laughs> issue, everyone thought the Note Seven was pretty great. Um, and so they they are good at what they do, but this is definitely a kind of a black eye, and you want to restore
1: that trust. And part of that's the transparency. Yeah. So I I do actually have two other things I kind of want to ask you about this. I didn't mean for this to become a whole Samsung thing, but man, it's just, it's, it's legit interesting. Um, one is, do you think this will spill over to other things that Samsung sells in the minds of an average consumer? Because for this, I am firmly on the side of no, no one is going to avoid buying a Samsung microwave because they heard about the note seven. No, I don't think so. Okay. So there. We're we're in agreement on that. Uh and the other one is I think this kind of happened at an interesting time in smartphone design history because I didn't realize the Note seven is a five point seven inch device. That is no longer that large. <laughs> like <laughs> like you can get a lot of other devices in five point five inches. Yeah. It's so- the stylus tech stuff I think people want. No, that's definitely true, but my point is uh, if this had happened with like the Note 1, that might have set back large screen devices by years because people would have associated like, oh, you don't want to carry around a giant lithium-ion battery in your pocket because it will catch on fire and you'll die. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, that particular phone sucks, but this other phone that is basically exactly like it in every conceivable way, this one is fine. I mean, how big is the the 7 Plus? Uh,
0: I think the screen's 5.5 inch. I don't know about the actual... Well,
1: yeah, I mean, nobody cares about the dimensions unless you're talking about pocket fit. But, like, 5.5 inches versus 5.7 is a difference, no doubt. And not having the stylus and, and the digitizer and stuff, like, that is a difference, no doubt. But, I mean, if I was Apple... I would probably be strongly considering making the Apple Pencil work on the iPhone Anniversary Edition because it's like, yeah. you know, do we officially support a stylus? No, but we've put our amazing iPad technology <laughs> into the iPhone so you can be creative on the go or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well There's no reason they couldn't flip that switch. For I mean, they've been pretty clear about, like, it's for drawing. It's not navigation. Um <laughs> And but I heard a rumor everyone this, uses it for navigation that the macbooks may have be apple pencil compatible for little sketches too i've never been able to get used to that i have a bamboo sitting around that i used to pull out to draw in photoshop and the i know a lot of professional artists have gotten used to my hand is over here and i'm looking at the screen up here and i'm drawing never been able to do that
1: yeah i'm i mean i'm 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 not an artist by any stretch, but I have trouble even imagining how people learn that kind of coordination because <laughs> I I drew a lot as a kid and I know how to write obviously, and and I just have no frame of reference for that. Like it would have to you would have to put in so many hours on that kind of a device to to gain that that spatial difference. But I guess it's not really that different from like, oh, I move my thumb and then Mario moves. Yeah. Anyway, um, I want to talk to you about this Dropbox thing because we've been going back and forth on this like privately in Slack for a while. Like you, (laughs) you, you occasionally get a bug where you're like, I'm going to stop using the popular easy service and see what all the alternatives are. Yeah. And then because of uh, ATP and a couple other like high-profile tech podcasts. Like, all of a sudden, this is a thing, and everyone is talking about Dropbox. So uh, (laughs) I I don't don't want to say we were the first to talk about it.
0: (laughs) Dropbox was always the best product that I don't know if I completely trust the company. Like, I've kind (laughs) of had that vibe for a long time of like, Absolutely. And like, I've wanted to believe, oh, sin- file sync is file sync. Like, it's not that hard. I've been, there's a million competitors. And then even the the Mac client Google Drive has bitten me in the ass before. <laughs> <laughs> Bad Dropbox. And so uh, it's kind of been this nice little like tense marriage of like, well, I use Google Drive for the Google Docs and Sheets and Slides features. And yeah, occasionally people send me files through it and those one-off files are fine. Uh, but Dropbox is what I use for file sync and sharing and collaboration. And that's actually going to be one of the frustrating things about ever trying to leave Dropbox is kind of like messaging platforms. It's not just what you want to use. It's what everyone else whoever wants to share a file with you uses. And <laughs> they're probably going to still be using Dropbox.
1: Well and so this is this is something I think makes this whole conversation more complicated because when you say I don't totally trust them, you mean their policies and their practices as like a business, right? Not yeah. the technology. Because I mean what technology do you have unlimited faith in?
0: Yeah, I mean again we don't have to slippery slope to <laughs> do I unlimited trust them anyone. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like they're even the way... Like, I know that Dropbox encrypts what they store, but they do the encrypting, and so it's not a zero-knowledge product. And, you know, normal people are going to be like, oh, zero what? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I just got interested in other options that encrypt on your machine before upload, and you hold the key, and that it's not Dropbox holding the key, and, and so forth. And... I I think personally, I'm interested in that feature. It's not currently making me switch to an inferior product. Um, But, I mean, Dropbox doesn't have a lot of, like, the Google-type, you know, smart assistant things going on where you're like, oh, it justifies them having access to my data. Maybe they'll do that someday. Maybe Google will add that to Drive more and more as they keep getting smarter. Um, and then you'll be a little more torn of like, uh, do I want (laughs) to have my stuff sort of be readable, um... I, so I've been looking at options, and you know the the old like harvest your friends for free gig thing, where you send referral <laughs> codes. And I already got Justin and
1: Duncan, so you, you and you're me, gonna, yeah, I've, and you. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll get a free gig if you sign up for this. <laughs> so you're probably your sync dot com probably has like fifty gigs in it already. I think mine is minus six.
0: <laughs> no, I've got nine, but um, I mean, so here
1: here's the problem that I see with this because uh, you you hit on it that word collaboration and what your friends use, or if you have to deal with someone, I don't see Dropbox going quietly into that good night, <laughs> right? Like even if all the nerds and all the Uber geeks stop using it, most of the other people are going to keep using it because they've, they've carved out a pretty good little market for themselves. So you have to wonder, are you ever going to be able to get off Dropbox? Cause to me, the answer is no. What's going to happen is you'll have You know, sync.com or BitTorrent Sync or whatever for like your stuff. But then if you want to collaborate on a song with Benji or something, that logic file will have to live in Dropbox.
0: And so all I've done is add a new icon to my menu bar.
1: Yes. (laughs) And this actually happened to me because, you know, of course, I I take a lot of cues from you because you're a smart dude. And I bought a Seagate external hard drive, big ass four terabyte hard drive and i moved a bunch of stuff to it and as i was shuffling things around i was also moving personal stuff out of dropbox and into more secure encrypted locations and i was kind of taken aback by how much stuff i couldn't move out of dropbox because i was it was something i was collaborating on with someone else like or sharing with someone else and it would just be a pain to tell them like oh now it's over here at this other url (laughs) and fortunately none of that stuff is private I don't really care if, if you know, Dropbox your taxes. Yeah. I I don't really care if Dropbox sniffs, you know, the, the, the AIFF files that we send back and forth for sunrise robot. Like I don't want them to do that, but if they are doing something insidious, like that's not going to hurt us in any way or anyone ever. So, um, (laughs) I, I got this Seagate this hard drive, and one of the things it just came with was um, 200 gigabytes free of OneDrive space for two years. And <laughs> Yet I don't another sync service. <laughs> well, I don't want to use OneDrive. I have no interest in using OneDrive, but you have to install the client for the, the offer to work. So for like 15 terrible minutes on my computer, I had Dropbox running, I had Sync.com running, I had Google Drive running. I had Google Photos running because that's a different syncing <laughs> tool. I had Backblaze running, and I had OneDrive running. Just all, all, all the syncing, all of my information was being sent <laughs> to like a thousand different cloud services all at once. And I, I just – I wasn't happy. I looked out upon my life, and I was not happy with what <laughs> I saw. <laughs>
0: the Lord looked upon the earth and man was wicked. Yeah.
1: So I, re- I turned off OneDrive that no longer automatically does its thing. Um I still have Dropbox running though and I still have Backblaze running because that's not file sync, that's backup, that's different, yeah. you know. So I now still have these four services running. I have Sync, Dropbox, Google Drive and Google Photos and then Backblaze I consider to be kind of its own thing.
0: Yeah, and just like messaging apps, like me and Justin are working on a a new script, and he sent me the script through Google Drive because he uses Google Drive for most of (laughs) that stuff, and we're just using a a a format called Fountain, which is based on Markdown but for screenwriting, and so it's just weirdly
1: actually know what Fountain is.
0: (laughs) It's just a text file, and we're syncing it through that. So I had to
1: add the Google Drive client <laughs> back to my Mac just to work on that. Thanks a lot, Justin. <laughs> so the this was a little surprising to me because file syncing is actually the thing I get the least out of with with syncing services because I don't have like 10 different machines. And what I realized is what when I'm getting file syncing out of a service like Dropbox, it's not, oh, all of my Macs have this file on it because I don't have more than one Mac. So it's not that. And the collaboration piece is there, but that's not my primary use. I realized the thing that I actually rely on the most that would be the most difficult to replace because it's a technological limitation and not a social limitation is all of the mobile apps I have that rely on Dropbox as their back end. Yeah, like one password and uh, edit editorial. It's not editorially; it's editorial. Yeah, yeah. Um, both of those, they're like, hey, w- you know, we we can use iCloud, I guess, but <laughs> but maybe don't because iCloud's a dumpster fire. So, like, I don't, I can't not use Dropbox for those if I want to use those services because I don't consider iCloud an acceptable alternative. The editorial doesn't support Google Drive. Well, it's not going to matter in a minute when I get rid of my stupid iPhone anyway, but I I don't think it does. I I can... eh, My device is around here somewhere.
0: 1Password can sync if you join their subscription version, uh, Uh, which is not appealing if you bought it and you own the single-person version. I actually have the family one going just so that my family would get on board with good passwords. Ah, very nice. Which I got to give a shout-out to my mom for totally owning that and... Even like when the most recent Yahoo crap was going on, went through the process of generating herself a new strong password. Nice. It was just like, and she doesn't even have a, a desktop machine anymore. She's iOS only with her Whoa. digital life.
1: Uh, and I respect anybody who uses a password manager and strong passwords and doesn't consider themselves like a techie kind of person, because even most techie people are too lazy to do that. So anyone who is just like a, a you know, an average consumer of, of smart devices, that that's awesome. High fives all around. Yeah. But I, I don't know uh, how to solve this problem because if you and I are collaborating on something, I can say like, oh, dude, I don't use Google Drive anymore. Or yeah, see, they're all just running together. <laughs> I don't use Dropbox anymore. You need to use this URL or you need to install this stupid client or whatever. And you'll probably do it because we're working on a project, but uh for a mobile app, like what do I what am I gonna write the developer and be like, hey, I don't like Dropbox's business practices. Can you also sync with Google Drive? Yeah. Um I, I
0: feel like we could find a solution that would keep things simple for us. Like I mean our our website is and our publishing apparatus is pretty much GitHub and then it's just local. So that's not using Dropbox. But You know, and sharing audio file, like as we do the show, like I can get you an AIF file a million different ways. And it's not that big of a deal if it's not magically showing up through (laughs) Dropbox ahead of time. It could be like, here's a URL, and then you just download it. But Or if, if if you're still using Dropbox, they have that cool feature where you set up a file request. And so I can just fire it at that, even if I'm not a
1: Dropbox user. I've actually gotten a lot of use out of that that is a surprisingly handy feature because yeah. then it's like i want to get files from you and i don't care if you use dropbox or not because that's not what this is about just go dump information into this this little box and i'll come and get it later yeah. that's actually uh that's something that i've i've mostly gotten a benefit out of in a professional context it's not often i have to go to people i know and i'm like hey can you Anonymously show up wearing a nondescript trench coat and then deposit files <laughs> into this secure location. <laughs> um yeah. And that's nice because you
0: don't want another line item in your list of shared folders because someone wanted to send you one thing. It's like just give it to me. We don't need to buy a P.O.
1: box that we both have a key to <laughs> just because you
0: want to hand me a document.
1: Yeah, it is it's I mean, it's the, the FTP server People are like, oh, I, I can. I have this big file. It's too big to attach to an email. I'll put it on my FTP server and then send you the <laughs> URL and then you can come and download it or give me access to your FTP server and I will shh yeah. into it and then put... It's like, yeah. I mean, we're still essentially doing the exact same thing, but the, the user experience has been you know, vastly, vastly improved. Yeah. So, I mean,
0: just like... My little email trick, where I'm using Fastmail. Like this is this is just Mike uses tech this way and wants to know his <laughs> options. Um, but it definitely the nudge from Marco and and company. Um, and Dropbox, the actual client, has been getting more annoying. It's asking for very very deep permissions. And it's not clear why they need them. I know they have an explanation for why they need them. But it basically amounted to, we want to sync the way the folders look on uh, OS ten so that we know if something's finished syncing. And it's like, there's already an API for that. You you want deeper hooks for other reasons. Um, you have to give it like the full accessibility permission to... You know, do anything on your system is basically the
1: what you grant Dropbox, and I'm just kind of like, I don't like this. Will you please change this? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess it's it's doing all kinds of weird monitoring of the file system, and it's there's all kinds of weird hacks. Which, when Dropbox was new, they didn't really have any alternatives because they were doing something that wasn't officially supported and wasn't an industry wide expectation that you could do this magical file syncing across all of your devices at any time, but. That was years ago, and now there are APIs for these things, as you say, and there are non-invasive, annoying ways to do these things, and that's something. I, it's a little frustrating with these other alternative services. You don't have a bunch of nerds digging into every line of code and, and every uh, you know process running on the machine. So we know that Dropbox is kind of being a pain in the ass and kind of doing things it doesn't really need to be doing and that can be affecting system performance plus any potential privacy issues and on and on and on but if I switch to sync.com I really um, we this, we're not you know sponsored by them but that's the one we're both testing right now yeah. you know like if if I switch to sync.com and they don't have as big of a market like maybe they're also doing shady things maybe they're also accessing parts of the hard drive they don't need and it's causing system performance issues like I'm I'm taking it on good faith that they're encrypting everything before they upload it, and that's a reason to use them as a competitor, but if there's another encrypts everything before we upload it competitor that doesn't screw with your system performance, like, maybe I'd rather use that one, but I don't know yeah. because nobody's written a million blog posts about it, and it's now I have four or five of these services running all at the same time, and they're <laughs> all, like, just driving my CPU and RAM into the garbage
0: what you'll probably find is there will be a medium post that's super critical of Dropbox, and then there'll be like, BT dubs, I'm the CEO of Sync. And you'll be like, huh, conflict of interest much?
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks for mentioning that in 10-point font as the last thing you stated at the bottom of this five-page article.
0: No, it's usually first paragraph. They're like, when I set out to create blah, I was thinking about these issues.
1: (laughs) Well, that, that person I can at least respect, I can respect the person who's like, I hate this other company, so I started my own company.
0: <laughs> the Isn't advertorial.
1: It? Yeah, I mean, then at least as you read all the subsequent words, you have that that coloring. It's not like <laughs> you don't get to the end and it's like uh, a timeshare pitch where you, they're like, oh, how's your free lunch? Also, do you want to buy this timeshare? Whoa. <laughs> so this uh, – are you – Happy ish with with what you're doing right now, or do, are you going to install ten other? Cl- How many of these free <laughs> gigs of space am I going to end up granting you over the next few weeks?
0: No, I'm I really just trying Sync.com because they. I I read some some reviews and some comparisons and and looked around and they seem like one of the best options. But their their client app it looks a little neglected, to be honest. The <laughs> the, the mobile app, I mean.
1: Oh, does um, it? I haven't even yeah. installed the mobile app yet.
0: It's just kind of like, so you use the default list template in iOS mm-hmm. and you slapped your color on it and it can see what's on my drive. And you're tempted to be like, what more do you want, Mike? But, you know, <laughs> there are things. There's just the, the experience of using the mobile app. How quickly can you generate links? Can you store offline and things like that?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, polish is polish. It, it's a It's a particularly nerdy reference but whenever i think about paying attention to these small seemingly irrelevant details i think of one of the prequel books in the foundation trilogy i can't remember if it's the first one or the second one in like the the prequel trilogy but the the prequilogy um (laughs) but harry selden is sitting on like a park bench and they're in a dome but the dome is made to look like the sky. i feel like i've probably mentioned this before but it's like it's my touchstone for this kind of thing is he notices that one of the lights in the dome has gone out and you can see it because otherwise there's just magical ambient light that comes from all directions so everything is like uniformly lit and he can see that this light is out and he in his mind that is such an obvious sign of the state of decay of the galactic government because <laughs> he's like they can't even be bothered to change a light like, how, like the roads in Michigan <laughs> yeah how how can we expect them to run the galaxy if like they can't in the capital city in the capital area they can't even keep the lights on and that's it, dumb but you know with with a, a mobile app you're like oh they just used all the default styling. Like if you go to a web page and it's black text on a white background and all the font is Times New Roman, like you're gonna notice that and be like, you couldn't even use like boilerplate .css, like come on. You're making me
0: think we got a link to that John Oliver where he made a sexy movie trailer for infrastructure.
1: <laughs> Did oh, you ever see that one? Yes. Uh, no, we'll put that in the show notes. That's hilarious. Bridges he doesn't, fixing bridges. <laughs> he he doesn't do bad work. His that show is just amazing. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about Dropbox?
0: Nah, that's the the jury's still out on this whole thing, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. Okay. You you may now exit the courtroom.
0: Put a bow <laughs> on it, Mike. <laughs> All right. Uh that was episode one hundred and forty one of Flipping Tables. Thank you so much for listening. As always, check out the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash one four one. Uh, we also have a Reddit community, which we forgot to mention at the top. My bad. Uh, <laughs> we are still having good discussions there. Uh, we also post all the the fake episode titles that we didn't pick, which is a good time. So if you head to reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables, you'll see a link to this new episode. And uh, then we can have conversations there. Uh, me and David are also on Twitter. I'm at pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael and David.
1: At Lions in Beta. Uh,
0: While you're at our website looking at dem show notes, you can also make sure you're subscribed to our show. Uh, Really, the easiest way is if you're on your phone and you have your podcast app, Uh, if you need one, you could use Overcast or Pocket Cast. Uh, Then you could search for Sunrise Robot or search for Flipping Tables and you can uh, add us right there. Or you can use the buttons on our website. There's an RSS and an iTunes button uh, there for handy subscription. Uh, if you want to support us directly, we, you could go to patreon.com slash Robot and pledge actual dollars to us. And uh, we have so much love for our, our patrons. And depending on the level you support, uh, you might get your name mentioned. So with that, special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Samsung Cunningham 7, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ida Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much.
1: So, so much love.